0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live
3: right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. So give me a call. Best time to get on the air is right at the beginning of the show. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And we have a text line that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If uh, For the time that the program's not on the air, that number can be used for prayer requests. Uh, so you can send us prayer requests anytime, day or night, and we will pray over them, taking you before the throne room of God. I just sent some out this morning uh, to our prayer team and our staff here at Calvary Church, and we would love to pray for you and be encouraged uh, by the graciousness of the lord so give me a call 303-690-3000-720-336-0897 and a shout out to all my friends on truth fm higher rock radio hope fm you guys are hearing this on a one week delay and then all the stations on the grace fm radio network the radio by grace network you're hearing this live uh, unless it says at the beginning of a program that it is a rebroadcast or uh what's what's the word that we use um encore presentation uh then you're hearing it live right now so call me 303-690-3000-303-690-3000 text me 720-336-0897 here's a text that came right through it says on my on the list here 401 p.m how were the gentiles saved before jesus That's a great question. And I think you might be surprised uh, that how they were saved. I think you might be surprised by my answer. They were saved the same way you and I as Gentiles are saved today. Those that were saved prior to Jesus and those that are saved after Jesus are saved the same way. By faith, Through grace or by grace through faith. The Gentiles prior to Jesus had faith in the coming Messiah by becoming a part of the covenant community of Judaism and following the dictates of the old covenant by faith. No one's saved apart from faith. And then looking forward to the coming Messiah. And now you and I, uh, we are saved by faith in the Messiah that has come. And so the salvation is the same for the Gentiles before uh, Jesus and after Jesus. And I think um, the same word that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand, that we should walk in them. That's the new covenant. Uh, and the old covenant would be by faith entering in to a relationship through Judaism. Great question. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Wide open phone line, 720. 720- Three three We're going to be in Bible study tonight. I always like to mention that. We're studying the book of Genesis here at Calvary. Um, we meet at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you're here in the metro area, you should be here physically. Uh, the breast co- coffee opens up early. Um, specialty drinks. I think one of the drinks this, this month, the drink of the month, is a strawberry lemonade type drink. Um, plus all, it's a third wave coffee bar. So you'll be very happy with the dialed down espresso shots and, uh, no need to stop, uh, at any of the fancy, um, you know, Starbucks or any, any of the other coffee shops come to church and all the proceeds of resurrection coffee goes to our missionaries. You know, people like, Oh, I can't believe look at the church. Why do they have this? And well, I'll tell you why we have it because there's no need to spend, uh, that money at a coffee shop on the way when we have, um, the same, we have better, um, I mean, some, some of the third way coffee shops have really, really good coffee, um, but we do too. And you don't need to stop on the way. Just come early. And before every service, uh, Resurrection Coffee is open. There's light snacks available there and all kinds of drinks. You know, they have specialty. It's a real specialty um, coffee house. And we can't open it. You know, we've had people, again, we're waiting for calls here. That's why I'm, I'm sharing. But we've had people share why don't you open it during the week? Because we have a school here. Uh, And so because of security purposes, uh, it's not open during the week. We're going to take care of the kids first and foremost. But it's open before and after every service, Um, Saturdays, Wednesdays, Sundays, and we'd love to have you stop by. Come out for service tonight. We start a new chapter. Um, Right now, we've been going and tackling whole chapters. So it's chapter six tonight uh, in the book of Genesis, studying origins. Um, Such a great study. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. 303 690 Here's a great question in Acts chapter 8, verse 17. So whenever somebody shares a scripture, let's look it up. In Acts chapter 8, verse 17, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet they had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of Jesus and they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the question is Peter and John laid hands on believers uh, to transfer the Holy Spirit as the touch, is touch the way the Holy Spirit is given? No, uh, no, not exclusively. But there is a great significance of the practice of laying on of, of hands. Uh, it is something that you see all throughout Uh, The scriptures, uh, and it is a point of contact, of course, of a man and a ministry upon a person. Uh, We want to make sure that we understand that even anything that we do uh, is only used by God. Um, There's no requirement to lay on hands. There's no absolute. uh, We certainly have examples of Men and women receiving the Holy Spirit, uh, for example, um, in, the, in the John's Gospel, Jesus breathes on the Holy Spirit, excuse me, breathes on the disciples, and they receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, there's no laying on of hands, just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Cornelius, I believe, receives the Holy Spirit without the laying on of hands. So the laying on of hands um, is, is something that's been used of God as a point of contact um that <clears throat> he uses to draw out faith, to bring about relationship, uh, and you know, there are other instances where the Spirit of God is given without the laying on of hands. Uh, but we do like to uh, follow through with laying on of hands. There'll be often when I'm praying for someone, I'll ask them if it's okay that I can lay hands on them so there is a connection point. Uh, within the body of Christ as we seek the Lord. It's not necessary. Sometimes people go, no, I I prefer you not to do that. And I'm like, no problem. It doesn't matter. Um, One way or the other, I want to respect the person in front of me. But the laying on of hands is definitely something that's given to us in the Scriptures, but it's not a necessity. And no, it is not required for the Holy Spirit to be received, uh, both indwelling, being born again, and also it's not required in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, But... I do like it, you know, for example, another way that we besides laying on of hands symbolically right upon leadership and elders and new men to take those roles or certain uh women in certain specific roles within the church, laying on of hands one of the other one one other way I like to participate in that in the life of our church is when someone responds to the gospel, they respond to the invitation to follow Christ to repent of their sins, I will ask. The pastors and elders in the room to go over to them, and start the friendship relationship connection point right there. Not wait for them to come up to the stage because, why? Frankly, most people aren't coming up to the stage unless it's a full blown altar call, uh, and then they will. But um, we'll have them lay on hand so they just know that they're not um, that they're not alone, um, that they are part of a family, and that the. Uh, significance of the family of God is very important so 303 is the number uh, 303-690-3000 uh, we have a question of someone that didn't want to be on the air but they wanted to ask about the mother of God um, cult that loves to go around Starbucks Walmart uh, price club and, and start, start conversations about their false teaching. Uh, they have a large presence here in Denver. Uh, and they, um, they, they love, they, they are probably, um, some of them. I mean, they're now a third category between Jehovah witnesses and Mormons, uh, active, um, door knockers that, that do a good job of tripping people up, uh, and confusing them. Um, and the idea of a the the mother of god <clears throat> cult I can't remember I need to look up the um the name of the cult it's the world thanks Kevin the world mission society church of god is a korean cult that was founded in 1964 um and they teach that there's a heavenly mother very similar to mormonism right Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Father, and we're the Bride of Christ. Um, but uh, they misquote Revelation 21. They misquote Genesis chapter 4. And so the best thing to do is just email me. I'll send you some information uh, that can equip you to talk to them uh, and you know be encouraged by that information. They, they're just twisting the Scriptures. Um, there is no Mother God, period. End of story. Period. Doesn't matter where they go in the scriptures. That teaching doesn't exist, especially Galatians 4. That's not a, a female personage. It's a symbolic representation of the kingdom of Christ, you know? So email me. I'll send you info ed at edtaylor.org. Ed and edtaylor.org. Here's a great question. Give me a call. I'm waiting for your phone calls, 303 690 3000, but we've got plenty of texts. So um, do you think it's important for a pastor to connect with the community in which they serve? Uh, for example, love the weather, love the sports teams, etc. <laughs> uh, uh, this has an out of town um, an out of town area code, so I'm not sure if this is a little uh, side dig at me. Um, so if it's for me, no, I don't think, uh, in order for a pastor to be successful that he has to love the local weather or he has to love the local sports teams. However, uh, do you think it's important for a pastor to connect with the community? Yes, I do. I think it's important for a pastor to be connected first of all in the local community of the church. And then second of all, with the local community in which the church exists and, and so on being a vibrant part. Of that community. And I'll tell you, the pastors that do this the best tend to be some of the most uh, effective uh, with the gospel. Uh, and and I, I also would say that some of the pastors that do this the best uh, are those that are bivocational. And a bivocational pastor is what, what I was for almost 10 years, is a pastor that works full-time and pastors the church full-time. And so in order to provide for the needs of my family, um well actually I wasn't a bivocational pastor for ten years, basically four years, but I served in the church bivocationally, uh, but I didn't become a pastor till the end. Um, but I served full time, worked full time, and what a joy it was. So I think that um I think what's most important, other than the examples you gave, loving the weather, I don't think that's a prerequisite. And it really doesn't matter where uh, you're sent, right? So we have a big joke here. I'm not a big fan of the snow, uh, and I love the Dodgers. You know, that's my home team. It's where I came from. Um, But, you know, when the teams are doing well, uh, I love to cheer for them if they're not playing the Dodgers. Uh, And uh, when somebody gives me tickets to a Broncos game or Rockies game, I love going because I love sports. Um, But, no, I don't think uh, it's important and effective um, to – you know, let, let's say again you, you may not you may or may not be serious to text question, right? So I'm still waiting for the phone calls to come in three oh three six nine zero three thousand. But uh this is a great question because even if it is tongue in cheek, you know, the reality is is that if a person doesn't like a sports team, you would not want that person to be a hypocrite because of the role that they have. You would want them to be honest. Uh you would want them to express themselves for who they are. Uh, You would want them, you know, if you don't like the snow, then you wouldn't want to lie about that. Um, And, of course, even though I don't like the snow, there's aspects of, again, speaking for myself, there's aspects of the snow that I don't like. There are actually aspects of the snow that I do like. I really don't mind if it snows after service on Sunday through Monday because it's my day off and I get to watch it fall and, you know, I've even gotten used to shoveling. Uh, except for those later snows that's really heavy and back but um, I do believe so in general, yes, the pastor should connect with the community in many, many ways, being a real, authentic man of God. So very, very good question. Three oh three six nine zero three thousand. Three oh three six nine zero three thousand. Uh is there someone on the line or is they that they drop off, Kevin? Three zero three six nine zero three thousand, And I mean, I've got plenty of text messages that I can go through uh, and answer as well. Um, so let's just do that. Uh, what to see here. What's the main takeaway when responding to Mormons or JWs when they come to my door? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think the main takeaway, if you are mature and you are well-equipped in the Word and not easily confused. The main takeaway is the person, the character, and the nature of Jesus Christ. Everything else they say, everything else they throw your way, every other thing they say has absolutely no significance, no need for you to engage if they start. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses love to start with prophecy because it's such an engaging thing. They also love to speak about the family, as do Mormons, and they will engage in a relatable topic. None of those things matter. Not one single one. The significant takeaway is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Who he is is of utmost importance. And same with the Korean cult that talks about the mother of God. When, when, you have, when, when you have the character and the nature of God wrong, everything else will be wrong. And Jesus is not a created being. Uh, as these false teachings say, they, he is not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's not the former angel, uh, Michael the archangel, Jehovah's Witnesses teach. He's not the son of the mother of God. As the Korean cult teaches. And so so if 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 we don't have Jesus right, then it there's no discussion to be had. And there's no need to talk about prophecy. There's no need to talk about family. Uh if you don't have Jesus right, then um, you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses really like to confuse people by latching on to the doctrine of the Trinity because it is still partly a mystery to know the full character and nature of God. But if you engage in that conversation, they're going to twist you up like a pretzel. This is what they're trained to do. They're not trained to take one passage of scripture, exegete it, interpret it, and then that one passage would then be an interpretation of another scripture Instead, they just mix it all together with their own preconceived teachings and just want to confuse you because if they confuse you, you'll ask questions. And because they're the ones that confused you, they also then become the authority and they'll invite you. They'll invite themselves into your house. They'll invite you to a Bible study. They'll invite you to to read a book, read this pamphlet. Uh, And if you have a warm, fuzzy feeling, it must be right. No, no, don't, don't, don't. The takeaway is who's Jesus and you share with them. If you want to know who Jesus is, I've done a series of Bible studies on this. Email me, uh and I'll send it to you. Uh I'll I'll uh I'll make sure that I give you the information that you're looking for uh so that you can answer on the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And you know, maybe I need to um you know, maybe I need to open and see if I have one of those um uh, one of those teachings on my website, but I will, if I don't, I will put up my notes from my teaching on the character and nature of Jesus so you can have them. Um, and so hopefully if I have time, I'll do it tomorrow. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number, 303. Let's uh, come here to Aurora, Colorado. Doug, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you doing?
3: Good. How are you? Um,
4: Good. Good. Right. I was reading, um, and my my question is uh, Genesis chapter three, after the fall, and Adam and Eve are put out of he he guards. God sets the cherub up to guard the tree of life. Yes. And my question is is because if we go back to Revelation twenty two, I believe it's in chapter two, it describes the tree of life being in the center of heaven. Sure. And is that a reference to Christ?
3: I don't believe it is. Um, and I don't believe it is just by the context of what it's, where, it, it, where it stands. He says, you know, it's, it's, it's alongside a river of pure water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne room of God and from the Lamb. Verse 1, we know who the Lamb is. So there's a distinction between this water, river of water, uh, the Father, the Lamb, in the middle of the street on either side of the river was a tree of life i don't believe the tree of life is a reference to jesus but a literal tree of life
4: okay, so, so a literal keep you alive forever in the physical world tree yeah
3: and that's where you would want to be you know in the eternal existence you, you have a rest, you know when you think of heaven don't think of it just as a new reality but think of it as a restored eden Things are restored back to what they were prior to sin. Why? Because of the full restoration of what Jesus Christ um, has done for us. You know, I think, um, um, let's see, I was thinking of a scripture, uh, Acts 3.21, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. And that's a theme throughout the scriptures of the new covenant and the finished work of of messiah that there's a full restoration to god's ideal for the eternal state
4: right okay all right yeah i just i was i was wondering i was as i was reading i was wondering well why would he guard the tree of life (laughs) i um yes and i read a little more i figured well maybe he i guess he since he he fell from sin and and he he's being pushed out God had mercy to show that you don't want to live your entire life right. forever and ever in this fallen world.
3: Yes, that's that's and, a great and kind answer. Kind of
4: a mercy of okay. Not I, only I that, just thought not
3: not only that, I would also add this in your thinking. Not only mm-hmm. not only is it merciful that Adam and Eve would not live continually forever in their sinful existence, but that God also provided the authoritative stamp of His promise or the curse that the wages of sin is death in that day you shall surely die by preventing the the enjoyment because that's Uh, what it was prior preventing the enjoyment um he he stops them uh so that his word will be fulfilled
4: right okay yeah yeah all right well very good thank you once again you're proving the master
3: hey so um i just got a text from a nine one zero number of the same question, is that you? Yes, yeah, that was me. I just <laughs> all right. Kinda got it's gone. Patience. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sounds good. Okay. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. All right, bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Brian in Centennial, welcome to the program.
5: Yeah, I got a question. This is, I you know, I don't be something, I guess, maybe deep in the Bible somewhere if it is, but you see all these reports of them talking about or discovering with our more advanced technology UFOs and, you know, stuff flying out there, and they even said they have material off these ships that have materials that we can't even identify what it's made out of, but we could track it now with our advanced cameras and logging system. But wouldn't the Bible say something... guess i don't know what to make of it (laughs) when when the bible and say something that okay hey there's another life out there
3: not necessarily uh because the bible is singularly concerned with let's just say the bible doesn't teach that there is alien life um doesn't teach that other than the the demonic and the angelic realm you know there are different classes of creation but the bible doesn't teach that there's life on other planets and different systems of religion or different systems of salvation. It doesn't say there isn't. uh, So there's really no forbidden. God doesn't say don't ever think about any kind of otherworldly life. It doesn't say that. Although, you know, if we spent our whole life looking for aliens, I think there would be disobedience on our part, right? Because we're given direction how to spend our life to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the Bible doesn't really say one way or the other um if there were aliens i mean if you think about it at the rapture of the church i think that this whole setup of alien life and this whole preoccupation with mars and other planets and preoccupation with life out there is conveniently used not to pay attention to life here uh, by our, by by unsaved humans i mean for the most part like the those that live their whole life denying god and looking for some higher creation or looking for the, the beginning of the black hole of the big bang, all that is a convenient way to waste your life and not worship the one true God. Um, but I think that the Bible is singularly focused on Messiah and on, on us individually. So the Bible's not an exhaustive book on everything that could be known or everything that could be discovered uh, because that's not the purpose of the Bible. Um, and so, I really, I really think this this preoccupation with aliens uh, would be a convenient way for the world to say, "See, uh, the Christians are gone, but the aliens got them," and still refuse to believe in Jesus Christ.
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess I've always heard, you know, the devil could go different dimensions and you know to leave Earth, but I've always thought it was just. That's what people were seeing. Were demonic. I mean, they said there's a demon sitting above nations of Iran, and you know, influencing people. And so I, I know there's demons out there, and maybe I think people are seeing that. But now they're saying, "Well, we're seeing." I don't know if demons could turn themselves into
3: angels I, of light. They can. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I, there is a you know. So you know, there there is a different dynamic to the answer to this question where. What is being seen today most likely is, if if there's any substance to it, demonic activity. Um And I think yeah. they just make a lot of stuff up. I saw an article the other day that, oh, look at this. There's a garage on Mars, and they showed a shadowy picture. And, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess you can just make it up because who's going to verify it? Like, who yeah. can go and oh yeah there's a there's a tesla in there too and look the martian martians are so event like who's gonna it was a really grainy shadowy picture of a garage or a cave or something i'm like seriously i mean what what are you gonna do like you can waste your whole life yes they found garage on mars and what have you done for the lord lately oh you know and that kind of that that type of response but great question you hear the music i gotta go Already, first half of the program, I mean, it happens so fast. Hang hang around. We only have a couple-minute break, and then we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live on your local Christian radio station.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. So grateful that you have chosen to join us. It's been a great, great program. Mostly text questions today, but uh, we have some people on the phone line. So we're very, very grateful for that. Uh, The number to dial is 303-690-3000, and I just want to remind you that you're listening to Calvary Live that originates from here in the studios of Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado. Grace FM is a radio network as an outreach of uh, Calvary Church here in Aurora, and if you're listening on Radio by Grace, it's a, a very large network of stations around the country that originates from Grace Church in Amarillo, Texas. If you're listening to the Hope FM Network, it is also a series of radio stations that has a large population reach, New Jersey, Maryland, Pennsylvania. That is a station that is originating out of the Calvary Chapel in Marlton, New Jersey. Higher Rock Radio is is a radio station that reaches a large portion of Meridian and Boise, and it is a station that originates out of the Calvary Chapel in Boise. And then, Kevin, can you help me again? Truth FM is also a radio network of at least three stations, and it covers quite a bit of coverage and people as well, and it originates out of a Calvary Chapel in, I want to say, Lexington, um, uh, North Carolina, Kentucky, and... And so a Tennessee, it originates out of Tennessee. So here's the thing. Um, I was just reading today of a, because we have a radio station, I I like to keep up with the radio industry. I was reading an article today of a guy that bought a radio station, a guy, just a dude, uh, and underestimated how much it was going to cost to fix, run, how much tower rent was, how much electricity was, and he lost the station. And he lost the privilege of broadcasting it. And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. The whole pur- purpose of the article was to tell people, you know, count the cost, right, what the Bible says. And I don't think the guy was a believer. Uh, I don't remember if it said that or not. But at any rate, I'm asking you to give financially, regularly, the best gift that you can give to your local Christian radio station. Whoever wherever you're listening to this right now, please support Christian radio. Churches churches are running these radio stations. That's why they're so good. Why they're so faithful. Why they're so edifying because they're ministries of a church. They're not financial money makers. They are outreaches and outreaches always cost money. So if you're listening on Grace FM, support us. Radio by grace support them hope FM support them truth FM support them higher rock radio support them if you're listening online on whatever app you're listening to, support them it even costs money to apps I mean it's hundreds of dollars every month just for to rent our app you know use our app and it's hundreds of dollars every month just to stream and you know all of that stuff license it's crazy, unbelievable, but the Lord provides. And you and I, and you know, one of the things about radio, and I'll get to the phone lines right now, but one of the things about radio is because it's free, it's easy to conclude that it's free to, to be on the air, and it's not. And not, unlike other stations, we don't run advertising. We're non-commercial. That's that's why we're non-commercial stations, which means we can't run advertising. So we don't. Um, we have a few partners uh, that we get to say thank you for your support, but we don't run ads. At any rate. Keep that in mind, Georgia Beverly. Welcome to the program. You're on the air, Beverly.
0: Hello. All right,
3: there you are, Beverly. Welcome to the program. Are you with us? I'm with you. Okay. I what's just your had question?
6: question? I don't know uh, if y'all answered it or not.
3: Okay, go ahead. I haven't an answered it. Um,
6: Okay. It was about Adam and Eve. Yes. And in Genesis. Yes. Uh, I know there had to be a Hades then, and there was definitely a paradise. I mean, not heaven as we know it. Yes. But when they died, where did they go?
3: When they died, they went to, I believe, the paradise side of Hades.
6: Oh, I hope so. I
3: I do. I believe they did. Uh, There's quite a few people in the scriptures that I think we'll be surprised about. Um, that made it into heaven. I know Adam and Eve had a pristine relationship with God, and after yes. the fall, God's pursuit of them uh, is a very great picture of God's pursuit of us. And I believe God was successful in pursuing Adam and Eve with their response to submit themselves back to the Father. And um, I, and I know
6: that when we go, from what I understand, that people uh, talked to Jesse Planus one time, that it takes you about two years to meet your family, and I just was thinking, I guess it, the family goes all the way back to Adam.
3: Our family does go all the way back to Adam. They actually, you know, scientists today have done studies where we all share something in our DNA that all we all share the same thing that goes back to original parents. It does. Yep.
6: Yes, it does. And I want to thank y'all for being. I like it. You're you're not politically correct. I get so tired of that word. And you call it like it is. If it, if the thing is a cult, like the JWs, the Mormons, whatever this Mother of God thing is, you call it like it is, and that is so refreshing.
3: Yeah, it's important. You know, there's a there's a there's a kind of a twofold part to those answers because it's important that we identify false teaching as it is. That's what Jesus did. But it's also important for us to remember that there are real sincere people that are caught up in lies. And if we can give them good answers, you know, they might have been born into it. You know, Mormonism is very much a familial passing down of, hey, if you're born into it, you're born into it. That's the way it is. And we always want to remember they're listening um, because they're empty inside. And the religion they're a part of is not fulfilling at all. And, And yet they're people there are neighbors there are coworkers and uh, while there is a system systemic false teaching and the people that might propagate that need to be spoken to most people are deceived and we want to pray that the lord would use us to bring them out of deception so thank you so much for calling bless you in uh, georgia 303-690-3000 is the number hey i got a real quick um, uh, got a real quick response by text. There was a gal, uh, in Walmart that was approached. Um, and I was thinking, um, uh, cause I was approached in Walmart. The first time I ever, the first time I ever met these folks, uh, in Colorado was in Walmart at the DVD section or the Blu-ray section, whatever it was. And because you're standing there looking and pausing, uh, you know, you're not, you're, you're, you've got some time, they come up to you. And and so this person was in Walmart too. She just wrote, it's crazy. You brought them up last week. A woman came up to me, started talking about the mother of God. She didn't have a finish. I told her, told her I wasn't interested. Um, and, you know, just, um, oh, it says Walmart in her text, of course. Um, and uh, continue to witness them throughout Walmart. So good for you. Um, good for you. Uh, so, it is not an uncommon thing to have uh, someone come to you and try to trip you up, even in Walmart. Unbelievable, isn't it? Let's head over to where are we going now. Uh, I want to say that the name is Deany, uh, but demi maybe. Um, you tell me what how to pronounce your name right. Line three, Deanie, Can you click it for me, Kevin? Deanie, are you with us? You're gone. I'm sorry. Let's go right back to Logan in Clovis, New Mexico. Logan, welcome to the program.
2: Howdy. Hi. Um, my question is about, like, when Jesus was born and grew up in Caesar, does that mean, like, when he was born and he was a baby, he didn't know who he was yet. like I knew he was who he was in heaven, but like when he was born like as a human, did he have to grow in knowledge to know what he was going to become? Or did, you know what I mean?
3: I do know oh no, it's it the mystery of what we know as the incarnation, and the incarnation is a fancy word to describe. God became human. And he took on, as the Bible says, a human body, and he grew up both. And so Jesus singularly on the earth uh, was it was both human, a 100% human, and 100% God. And how those two interacted, how the two natures interacted, how they overlapped, how they um, operated within one human being is really hard to conceive, but... There are references uh, to Jesus throughout the scriptures, both to his humanity, which is what this reference would be—him growing up as a child, growing up, learning, uh, growing up, and developing his mental capacity and his ability. I mean, if you think—if you think about Jesus Christ, spent time in swaddling cloths, not able to communicate with his human mouth uh, for a season, just like any other baby. Um, Jesus Himself developed in the womb for nine months. Before that, He was brought before Mary was to term and delivered Him. So it's great humility, great uh, submission to the Father's will. At the same time, He never lost any of His deity. Um, but the Bible says in Philippians that He set aside His divine prerogatives for the sake of becoming Your Savior and Mine. And so I believe the reference in Luke is referring to his humanity. Yes.
2: Gotcha. It's still like, I know it's a mystery, but I always, I don't know, it just came to me today. Like, was that, like, he grew like we did? And we, I mean, of course he was endless, but, like, did he have to grow in his knowledge, like, to know, like, when he's studying the, the scrolls and stuff, the, like, learning and, like, like, is
3: he like, wow, that's going to be me? Well, how about, I, maybe here's a way to think about it, okay? Here's a here's a concept to think about it, especially after Jesus comes to age, because by the time he's a young man, he's in the temple teaching the scribes, right? So there's some application of the divine there, um, like he must have accelerated his growth. But uh, what do you do for a living? Driver. You're a driver?
2: Yes, sir.
3: Okay, so how long have you been doing it? Six years. So let's just say your boss came in today and uh, let's say you're the best driver in the company and your boss comes in and says, uh, okay, uh, I got something to announce and uh, Logan, uh, you're going to have to go back to school. Actually, all the whole staff needs to go back to school and learn how to drive. Ew. And so, so you, in order to keep your job, you got to take this class and it's learn how to drive one oh one. on Absolute foundational. So you go to the class, and you could say, I'm going to class to learn how to drive. Do you already know how to drive?
2: Sometimes.
3: (laughs) And so you're sitting with the the knowledge that you have, but you're willingly submitting to the will of your boss to sit through a class of things you already know or could call to memory or have Ah. access to and i believe part of the learning of jesus also involved that could he call the demon you know could he call uh, the 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 angelic realm to come and defend him and wipe people out yes that was at his disposal but he willingly according to philippians chose to set that aside and learn and grow and take the full weight of crucifixion without calling upon his d- divine prerogatives and if he ever does call upon his divine prerogatives it's within the Trinity it's within the Godhead that that decision is made together in unity because no one there is no independent decision within the Trinity that the son now in submission to the Trinity would be used uh to uh, bring you know the divine into the human realm but
2: thank you you really helped like... oh good Kind of like put
3: it all together. That's a great question. Good questions, and the Lord gives us good answers, so we're always encouraged by that.
2: Yes, sir. All
3: right, God brother. Bless God bless you. 303 690 Frank from Amarillo, Texas, text in. So in Matthew, Jesus said, If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Will he deny Peter uh, since he denied him three times? No. Because Peter was restored, um, I think you know. I think that this is referring to a denial that you die in. Deny me before men. Uh, let me find the passage. Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-three. Uh, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny. Um, I believe this is not just the daily denials of an unbeliever, but the final denial, the final confession. Um, and for a person that confesses Christ and then denies him it's a it is uh, what's the word I want to use it's it's unusual um, but there's the grace of God that covers that. And then I was thinking because it's such a great question, remember Saul of Tarsus, remember what he says about his past? He says as he's describing his past, he says, um, let me find it here. He, I think he's writing to Timothy. Um, he says, oh, Ed, where does he say? He talks about his past. And, uh, you know, he says, well, at least in Acts 26, he says, it's not the one I'm looking for, but I punish them uh, often in every synagogue. I compelled them to blaspheme. Being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them. Um, but but he also describes himself uh, as being a blasphemer. Uh, and when he when Paul does that, he talks about his past. But we also know that Paul was redeemed, so he not only denied God, he blasphemed, thinking he was doing God a service. Um, but instead, I think that. He also calls himself an insolent man. 1 Timothy 1, he says, I thanked Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord is exceedingly abundant. And I believe that Peter, we know Peter uh, will not be denied because he was restored by Jesus. Because the grace of God trumps that. Um, the grace of God trumps the judgment of God by faith in him. 303 690 is the number. Where are we going? We are headed to... Hot Springs, Arkansas. Joanne, welcome to the program.
1: Yes, thank you for all that you do. Um, You're welcome. I was baptized as a child as a uh, Catholic, and I'm a uh, baby Christian. And I was wondering, do I can I get baptized again as a Christian?
3: Yes, I believe you should be baptized again as a born again believer. I I believe it's a privilege and an honor and a beautiful testimony of your born again life in Christ.
1: And then my, thank you. And then my next question is this. Now I'm very new with everything. So the Sabbath. Now I looked it up and it's like from Friday night to Saturday night. And that's for Jews from what I was told. Now, me being a Christian, when would I, I mean, because people say, well, this and I want to do the right thing. Sure. Not what everybody else does. I want to do the right thing. So what would if I do the Sabbath, once I get that in my routine, I should say, um, or whatever, how you want to say it, when would I be doing
3: this? Well, you have a, a whole new relationship with God where the commandment of keeping the Sabbath is now kept by your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the Sabbath was a picture and a type of the kind of rest that you would have in Jesus. So by faith in Jesus Christ, you keep the Sabbath all day, every day.
1: I love that. One more thing I was thinking. You know how you pray before you eat? I'm, I keep forgetting to do that. That's is okay. that like a bad thing?
3: No, it's not a bad thing. Um, it's kind of a routine and a religious thing that we pick up, uh, and it is a sense of appreciating all that God has done. One of the things that will help you with that is to develop a lifestyle of prayer where you're just always talking to God. And maybe you didn't pray before McDonald's, but afterwards you're like, "You know, God, it was so good that you gave me lunch today." Um oh, and yeah. and so no, okay, that, cause that, I I do pray
1: a lot and good. thank you for that. Yes. So good. perfect, perfect. So you're here's
3: wonderful. what I want you to I love do. This we, so what <laughs> I want you to do is I want you to email me uh because I want to send you some things that will help you as a new believer.
6: Oh, okay.
3: It, there there is a couple things we use here at the church that Mm -hmm. will absolutely set you on the right track um, of growing in your new faith in Jesus. And so if you send me an email, I will respond to that email and send you a few links that you can download and print some things out.
1: Great, because I call you all the time, listen to you all the time. Y'all are wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much and God bless.
3: Do you have my email address?
1: Oh, no, sorry. What is (laughs) it?
3: It's uh, Ed. Okay. at Taylor, that's E-D-T-A-Y-L-O-R, dot O-R-G.
1: Okay. okay, ed at edtaylor.org. Yep. Okay, great. Thanks again. God bless you.
3: All right, bye-bye. Uh, if you don't um, remember my email or you don't want to email me, on our website, gracefm.com, gracefm.com there is a tab uh, a little note up there no god and most of the things i'm going to send her are available there there's a few other things i have that i send but most of the information is right there gracefm.com and then click the no god all right come back to colorado now tim in loveland colorado welcome to the program Tim, welcome back. Welcome to the program. All right, um, I need to talk to Tim about his question. His question, as it's typed in, is: He was a certified minister with a denomination for twenty-three years, had an adulterous relationship five years ago, and wants to know if there any hope for a minister who has committed a sin like this. So, in a very general sense, yes, there is hope. Yes. There is restoration. Yes, there is forgiveness. And, you know, with the details of the situation, there may not be, you know, the, the sin may be so egregious that going back into the pulpit may not be an option. But there's a lot of things in the body of Christ that a brother can do after being forgiven for such a sin. But it's a painful one before, you know, so you're not able to really um, know the whole details about it Um, Let me just say this, if you're listening to me right now, um, anyone out there, take it from Tim in Loveland, Colorado. If he was on the phone right now, he would tell you this, don't commit adultery. Don't get involved in fornication. Don't start sexting and have private text message relationships. And uh, don't look at internet pornography. Don't go the realm of sexual sin. It will wreck your life. And that is a word from the Lord. And you won't have to worry about the question, is there any hope or any... It's just such a great condemning. And I know many of you have just an overwhelming sense of condemnation because of your past sin. Because some sins are different. All sins nail Jesus to the cross, but the consequences of sins, they're different. There are different consequences for different levels of sin. I was talking to someone this morning on the phone about this person having to deal with the consequences of someone else's sin in their life. And it's just horrible. They literally did nothing wrong in this situation, but because of a sin that was perpetuated against them, their whole life was rocked. I think of a precious family in our church, uh, who, whose son, uh, and brother, uh, was murdered in Denver and they haven't solved the crime. And that sin completely hurt their family. Um, And so sin does great damage. And it doesn't have to just be sexual sin, but sin does great damage. Um, Let's go back to uh, Arvada, Colorado. Deborah, welcome to the program.
6: Oh, hi, thanks. Um, Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I've been listening for quite a while, and I'm learning a lot of stuff. But my one question is, so It sounds to me like the soul is eternal. everyone is accounted for and eternal. So when you die, you either go one of two places. Is that my understanding? That's correct. So it, so how you live really does matter.
3: Yes, it does. I think I okay. I posted recently on social media that the that the person alive today can have a million chances but after death there's no second chance
6: okay now during the uh, millennium reign all the people that died will they be able will they come back and have a second chance
3: what people are you referring to
6: the people that have already died
3: like prior to the millennium yes. people that died prior to the millennium no they will not get a second chance
6: oh they won't oh no it's a, the
3: Bible says it's appointed once for a man Deborah? to die, and then the Call judgment.
6: Oh my goodness, so it, so it, it's now then, huh?
3: It's now, right now, yes. Are you concerned for yourself or for others? Are you still so, there, Deborah?
6: I'm still here. Are you concerned some, for
3: yourself or for others?
6: For myself and for others.
3: Have you repented of your sin?
6: That's what I want to do.
3: Well, let's do it right now. You ready?
6: Yes, I am. Okay,
3: you can pray to God right now, right where you're at. You could say, God, God, please forgive me of all of my sins. I admit that I need you and want you to forgive me. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again so that I could live forever with him. And I turn away from my sinful past to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Deborah, if you call out to God, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can have the assurance of your salvation that what Jesus did for you is sufficient to forgive you of all of your sins and you can spend eternity with Christ forever and ever.
6: Okay. Well, the reason I asked that question about um, if if people will have a second chance that die now before the millennium reign is because yes. um, some some studies say that people that have died before that time uh-huh. will be resurrected and they will have that second chance.
3: Yeah, they won't have a second chance after a physical death. Um, so I don't know what studies you're listening to, but you won't get a second chance. It's better to make that decision today, right now, while you, you know, like the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. And so in the, you know, in the rapture of the church, in the the second coming of the Lord, uh, in the millennial reign, there is um, a sense of people coming into the millennium, procreating, but those that died prior, there's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to death for all of eternity. And...
6: Oh, boy. Oh, what about okay. the people I, that did it Well, no. we, we're
3: coming up on the end of the show, Deborah. so email us so I can send you something to help you okay. follow Jesus, okay? Because you hear the music. All right. All right. Bye-bye.
6: Bye.
3: You can send the email to ed at edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org. Um, man, what a privilege. What an honor to talk about the glorious forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you're listening, what state, what country— Jesus died for you so that you might live eternally with him. Go to our website, calvaryco.church or my personal website, edtaylor.org. We are a resourcing church and we would love to help you as a new believer to grow in his grace. Come out to church tonight, calvaryco.church, 7 p.m. Mountain Time.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live.